This is Patrick Henningsen, and you're listening to On the QT at 21wire.tv. Accessing confidential data. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is Patrick Henningsen at 21st Century Wire, and uh, we've got a special edition podcast update on the Brexit negotiations. Boris Johnson, the House of Commons, where Britain is at right now, and I'm joined by Basil Valentine on the live link right now. And I just want to welcome Basil to this special broadcast. Hello, Basil. Good evening, Patrick. Good to be with you. It's great to be with you too, Basil, and uh, it seems like we're going to have to do a few of these updates just to keep pace with events. Uh, It's been an extraordinary 48 hours. The last time we spoke was uh, on Sunday. Uh, So just a quick recap, Basil, uh, what has happened since we last spoke? Well, things on Monday and Tuesday went uh, largely as we predicted on Sunday they might do with enough conservative MPs defying the government to defeat the government, to defeat Johnson uh, on several occasions now. In fact, I think he's naught out of four in terms of uh, government votes. 21 conservative MPs voted with the opposition uh, in support of a motion to uh, basically place something on the statute book that requires the Prime Minister to extend Article 30 beyond October the 31st. These include Kenneth Clark, who is being tipped in some quarters to become interim Prime Minister, uh, and also the recent Chancellor of the Exchequer, Philip Hammond, as well as Winston Churchill's grandson, Nicholas Soames. So these are big-wig senior Conservatives who have defied the party, have subsequently had the whip withdrawn uh, and have been told that they are no longer welcome in the Conservative Party, effectively. Um, but they've done it, They so they say, in the national interest in order to prevent Britain crashing out on October the 31st with a no-deal Brexit. So Hillary Benn, who seems to be uh, running point on Labour stroke Remainer opposition, on this side, uh, he put uh, what they called number six bill, and this has been tabled and fast-tracked through the legislative process. This is a bill that basically takes no deal off the table. And when asked, uh, Boris Johnson challenged Jeremy Corbyn a few days ago, Basil, and he said, uh, do you want a general election? You know, Are you ready for a general election? Because Boris did table that. And then the response from Corbyn, and that side of the of the aisle there was that uh, we'll, we'll do a general election, but not before no deal is off the table. And that's what this piece of legislation looks set to do. Uh, normally, this takes weeks. Uh, there was an attempt by the House of Lords adding a whole raft of amendments to, I guess, filibuster this bill so it didn't go through before the proroguing of Parliament, but that's all been cleared aside, Basil. So it looks like Hillary Benn's anti-no-deal Brexit bill looks like it, it's going to make it through by by Friday evening. Yes, uh, certainly, or Monday morning at the latest. Boris has had a terrible week. 
There's no doubt about it. And that was compounded today by his own brother, Joe Johnson, resigning from the government, saying that uh, he was conflicted between family loyalty and the national interest uh, in what was another blow for Johnson. But between them, Johnson and the certainly the print media have been quite successful in portraying Labour as being chicken and not wanting to go for a general election. Now, as you said, the reason why the opposition did not immediately support Johnson's motion for a general election on October the 14th was because they didn't trust him not to either change the date of the election subsequent to the uh, the motion being passed. In other words, it would be in the prime minister's power, in the prime minister's gift, were a motion for the general election to be passed to subsequently say, no, we won't have it on October the 14th. We'll have it on November the 5th after we've left the European Union, after we've crashed out. And that would have given Parliament no opportunity to prevent the no deal. So it's indicative of the very, very low levels of trust between the government and what is now being dubbed the rebel alliance of Labour, Liberal Democrat and um, the Conservative rebels. It's indicative of the very low level of trust that Basically, the Rebel Alliance are holding Johnson captive until such time as they can sort of force him to do exactly what they want or basically or bypass him. Uh, Johnson himself went to Yorkshire today and made a rather rambling speech about Brexit. During which we had the bizarre spectacle. He was he was flanked behind him by serving police officers and this is something that drew considerable criticism it was decidedly trump-esque in more ways than one the fact that he decided to have this backdrop of uniformed you know security personnel in the shape of the police but also his speech was trump-esque in its rambling content and delivery and we also had the bizarre spectacle of one of the policemen standing immediately behind Johnson appear to faint halfway through his speech. This poor chap sort of you can, stumbles and falls falls forward. And Johnson says, are you, are you all right? But then carries on with his speech. It's all become really rather bizarre, rather surreal. Um, but the keynote, I suppose, is that Johnson said in this speech that he would rather die in a ditch than uh, extend Article 30 beyond October the 31st. So, you know, the way this may play out in Middle England is that uh, for all the nightmare week that he's had and his total inability to command a majority in Parliament, Johnson is sticking by his principles. We are going to leave on October the 31st, come what may. Well, it's highly unlikely now that that is going to happen unless, of course, he wins a general election at some point over the next month or so and is then able to repeal whatever legislation is put in place this week to prevent a no-deal Brexit. 
Um, because, of course, his hands are tied by the fact that he doesn't have any kind of majority in Parliament. But a general election, believe it or not, in spite of the years of austerity and the generally appalling way Britain has been governed by the Tories over the last five years or so, and Johnson's own bumbling performance, he could yet win a thumping majority at a general election. So there, there are those who, who, who believe right now uh, that Boris has been checkmated by Parliament. Uh, so as you said, Basil, he doesn't have a majority to work with. Uh, but uh, there's also this lack of trust. Labor fears that Boris will uh, you know, force through his no-deal Brexit on October 31st uh, through some sort of process of deception or wrangling uh, or running out the clock, as it were, uh, on the uh, October 31st date, a fait accompli. So they, so they want this backbench law in place uh, before they call a general election. That's, the, that's what they're saying, Basil. But, but are they serious? Will do they really want a general election based on what you've just said? That's the big question. Well, Labour have been calling for a general election for two years, but the trouble is that any upcoming general election is going to be fought very largely, if not entirely, on the grounds of Brexit, people versus Parliament. Labour would love to have a general election on the economy, on the National Health Service, on the renationalisation of water, electricity and the railways and all the other Labour policies that are apparently so popular with the electorate. But it looks as if this election will be fought almost exclusively on the question of the implementation of the will of the people vis-a-vis Brexit. Labour might promise a second referendum in their manifesto, but the Conservatives won't. The Conservatives will be saying, vote for us and you get Brexit. On the other side, the Lib Dems will be saying, vote for us and you'll get Remain in a second referendum, and Labour will be saying something very similar. So um, with the opposition divided, where an election is concerned, Johnson is actually in a very strong position, although it has to be said that the Conservative Party, the nature of the Conservative Party, that he will be leading into the general election is very different from the one uh, five years ago, or let alone 10 years ago, uh, because uh, it's a Brexit party. And... Uh, we all know Cameron campaigned to remain and the Brexiteers in the Conservative Party represented a minority, a significant and vocal minority, but they've now, to all intents and purposes, with the defection of the 21 MPs, or rather the expulsion of the 21 MPs in the Rebel Alliance, the Brexiteers are now firmly in control of the Tory party. So, so if uh, I'm just just jumping ahead, because uh, we're we're trying to work out the numbers here. If there was, if there is a general election to be had before, let's say Christmas, uh, any time from October right up to December, if there is a general election, uh, what what is the likelihood or not uh, that uh, Brexit party candidates would stand, or would uh, the Brexit party 
crowd, uh, Nigel Farage's crowd that he commands, will they simply throw their support behind conservatives who are Brexiteers instead? Uh, any any other uh, uh, pro-Leave seeking uh, to hold their seat uh, in the parliamentary elections? How, how, do you, how is that going to work out? Are you going to see a, a lot of new Brexit candidates, or are they really just for the for the European Parliament uh, in terms of are they really viable t- for gaining seats in in this Parliament uh, the UK Parliament Basil uh, there may be half a dozen or a dozen seats they could possibly win uh, parties like the Brexit Party and UKIP before it traditionally have a very very poor record when it comes to general elections because of the nature of our parliamentary constituencies and the first-past-the-post system. It may be that uh, Farage and Johnson do some kind of deal whereby they do not oppose each other because um, Brexit candidates, Brexit party candidates standing against Brexit-supporting Conservatives will only divide the Brexit vote just as in the same way as uh, Liberal Party candidates, Liberal Democrats standing against Labour Party candidates, will be dividing the Remain vote. So to some extent, the next general election will be a referendum, (laughs) but but one done on the basis of the parliamentary constituencies rather than the simple tallying of votes of the referendum of three years ago. I would imagine that Farage will go to Johnson and say, give us a clear run in half a dozen seats or so. Give us a chance. I want to get into Parliament. And so does Anne Widdicombe and three or four other uh, Brexit party bigwigs. And they may well uh, stand against former conservative members of the rebel alliance you know mm-hmm. you could perhaps see farage standing against ken clark or something but it, you know someone like farage would be very careful of the arithmetic or uh, of any such a bid you can be sure that brexit party candidates will only want to stand in constituencies where Uh, which voted heavily for Brexit. But if you take somewhere like Wigan uh, in the north of England, which has always returned a Labour MP for the last hundred years, and yet something like 60% of voters supported Brexit in the referendum, um, voters in Wigan will be very reluctant to elect a Brexit-supporting Conservative They'll also be very reluctant to to elect a Remain-supporting Labour candidate, but they might just elect uh, a Brexit party candidate. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see. The Tories are generally very reluctant to do deals with anybody, but we're in completely unprecedented times and uncharted waters, and it may just be that Boris and Farage decide to kind of do some kind of deal in order to get a thumping great Brexit majority in Parliament. 
So, so the no deal bill, if all goes according to schedule, as we, we expect it might, a no deal bill, uh, this is Hillary Benz number six, this is going to get Royal Assent on Monday. Uh, and when this happens, uh, what then? Uh, will, what, how and, and, and how the, the general election uh, comes next? Uh, will, could that be also decided on, on Monday or, or nearly thereafter? How's this going to, to unfold? Um, I think it's <laughs> Labour have got a bit of a conundrum. They can either, as soon as this uh, bill is passed, say, OK, yes, we'll now vote in favour of the of the general election bill. But they may want to wait until October the 14th, uh, which is the or whichever date is chosen when the then sitting prime minister is required by law to write to Michel Barnier asking for an extension. This is when the possibility of uh, the so-called government of national unity comes to the floor. It comes to the fore. It's possible, you see, that Johnson could resign, you know, with the, unable to command any kind of majority in the House of Commons. It's possible that Johnson could resign as prime minister, but not as leader of the Conservative Party. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he stays on as leader of the Conservative Party, and it is then up to what one might call the rump really, of Parliament, the Rebel rebel Alliance, to choose their own leader who might then go to the Queen and say, we are going to form a government uh, of sorts. Whether or not there'd be full cabinet appointments is another matter. But we we are forming an interim government and we'll stay in power, voting ourselves a confidence motion, etc., until we've written to Michel Barnier and he has granted us that extension and the no deal on the 31st becomes a totally impossible. And um, when it comes to that possible you know, coalition of national unity, the name that's being banded around again as a possible leader, because apparently the Liberal Democrats do, under Swinson refuse to support Jeremy Corbyn, uh, the name that's being banded around is Kenneth Clark. Wow. So the father of the house uh, goes from being uh, uh, having the whip withdrawn uh, in and in a space of a few weeks, then becomes uh, well caretaker prime minister. That's a, a, a tremendous reversal of fortune. Uh, the job you always wanted. Yes, yes. And then what happens? How long would uh, Kenneth Clark stay? Uh, in that position, uh, would this be right through to the uh, extension period at the end of January that people are looking at in terms of uh, Article 50? Uh, how, how do you see that playing out? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, Clark is a Remainer. I mean, as ardent a Remainer as you can possibly get. Um, I think he'd look for a second referendum. I think that he'd he would hope to have a majority in Parliament to bring a bill forward that legislates for both a second referendum and a general election. In which order? Who can say? Probably the referendum first. 
Yeah. Of course, of course, first. So this this is a, a chess match of the highest yes. order, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's it's bluff and double bluff and uh, um, everybody playing chicken. It doesn't, you know, you, you would think that in this set of circumstance um, and having done so well two years ago that uh, things were favouring the leader of the opposition, Jeremy Corbyn, but a poll in today's Daily Mail, admittedly um, not exactly a, a, friend of, uh, a friend of Corbyn, but the poll in today's Mail says that of the current ampas which is the worst possible outcome. And Corbyn as Prime Minister, selected by 43% of the electorate, apparently, as the worst possible outcome. More than 35% a no-deal Brexit, with 25% saying both are equally as bad as each other. So that means a whopping 68% of the electorate think that Corbyn as Prime Minister is as bad or worse than a no-deal Brexit. We'll have to gloss over the fact that the Daily Mail's figures had up to 103 for the moment. <laughs> but, um, yeah, two-thirds of the electorate think uh, Corbyn uh, is as bad as no-deal or worse. So so, so John Rental, uh, the uh, establishment's uh, vocal piece from The Independent, uh, he's uh, clearly an ardent remainer, I would guess, uh, and he is calling Monday as the day of destiny. Uh, that quote is a good title for it, actually, because it could very well be a, a day of destiny if Corbyn decides on a general election. This could uh, start a, a series of events that would end in, as you said before, uh, the resignation of uh, Boris Johnson as prime minister, but not as leader of the conservative party. Uh, so... What do you think about? Do you think uh, Rental's jumping the gun a little bit? He's he's saying that uh, Johnson has no choice really but to resign. Well, he can't go on uh, as prime minister in office, but not in power indefinitely. Um, you know the the the, the twenty one conservative MPs who've had the whip withdrawn. None of them look like. Uh, returning to the party fold anytime soon. Um, and if that is the case, then, well, we had Sajid Javid's uh, spending bill, the end of austerity. Um, they, they might vote for that if this current parliament lasts long enough to, to, to come to a vote on the government spending plans. But they're not going to vote for anything remotely to do with Brexit. So um, it's a, you know, it's a complete stalemate, really, at the moment. Just to go back to this, uh, this poll, the same poll that said Corbyn as prime minister was the worst possible outcome. In terms of voting intentions for the next general election, put the Conservatives on 33 Labour on 26, Liberal Democrats resurgent on 17%, and the Brexit Party on 14%. So that gives Conservatives and Brexit 47 for leave, and Labour and the Liberal Democrats 43 
for Remain slash Second Referendum. Um, and the comment is, of course, that the government will be worried about splitting the leave vote in marginals. But all in all, those figures look better for the Conservatives than anybody could possibly have imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so th- I think the big contest uh, really is going to be uh, uh, when and where the general election is going to fall uh, on the calendar, uh, it seems to me. Like there's a strategy, a definite strategy. So it's between between a Brexit, a hard Brexit perhaps, um, or a general election. But there's another X factor, Basil. The, the other X factor is what happens if somehow by some miracle, uh, and the reason I'm saying this is because uh, Neil Kinnock's son has uh, strangely uh, put through uh, this bill through the Commons, which would give uh, Theresa May's deal another vote, a fourth vote, if you will. Uh, this is a Kinnick Amendment, and uh, somehow made it through the back door this week. Uh, so is it possible that Boris Johnson could get a deal with Brussels? And if so, would that change the equation at all? Yes, it's perfectly possible. I have heard whispers of the of the May deal being sort of resurrected, zombie-like, um, and possibly even finding a majority, even though it didn't in the past, simply because uh, Parliament has begun to realise that uh, there might be no other way out. And the, 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 the May deal represents what's called a Pareto optimum, which is that it isn't the best possible outcome, but it's the best that could actually be available. Now, of course, it it doesn't appeal to the arch Remainers and it doesn't appeal to the arch Brexiteers, which is why it got voted down so many times. But like turkeys staring at Christmas, MPs may decide to vote another way as they look into the abyss, Patrick. (laughs) Okay. So, so where are we standing right now? Parliament is due to be prorogued or dissolved uh, next Thursday. Uh, so uh, what needs to happen uh, before Thursday? What are the last-minute uh, preparations uh, with this chess match? Uh, what, what, what do they need to be racing towards both sides of this argument on, to, to Thursday? I think if, uh, if they get the assurance that... Uh, no deal is off the table, then I think Labour will vote. And they've said tonight, John McDonnell has said tonight, they will then vote for the uh, motion to be brought before the House again on Monday, as Jacob Rees-Mogg said today, uh, for a general election. That looks like the most likely outcome is that it'll be no deal off the table and uh, we have a general election before October the 31st. Not necessarily much before, but before October the 31st. The other key date, of course, being October the 17th, the the um, European Council meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, get ready. Strap yourselves in, folks. It looks like we're heading for a general. And uh, I just also, uh, on that note, 100,000 re- new registered voters in the last 24 hours. Uh, who who are those 100,000 new voters? What sort of demographic 
uh, would they comprise, do you think? Well, the word on the street is they're mostly young people. So that would mean... Uh, likely to be more pro-Remain and therefore likely to vote Liberal Democrat or Labour. Right. So does that mean, does that mean then, or it's probably that uh, a second referendum is going to be baked into the uh, the Labour campaign or the uh, the Rebel the Rebel Alliance and Labour campaign? It's they will be campaigning on a second referendum, and then the other side will be campaigning on Brexit, either Brexit with a deal or with no deal, depending on what happens on this October seventeenth, eighteenth. What do you think about that as a summary? Oh yeah, both. Lib- Labour and Liberal Democrat will will have a go for another referendum with Remain as being a, an option. Listeners to these podcasts will know that we like to uh, see what the bookmakers are saying. And the current favourite for the date of the next general election in Britain is November 2019. That is the six to four favourite. So roughly a uh, 40% chance of election in November 7 to 4 October which is the date that Boris October the 14th or 15th which is the date Boris announced just a day or two ago uh, odds checker tells me that there's money now for December 2019 which is shortened into 9 to 2 Uh, November or December would of course indicate that we have this government of national unity for however long uh, it is, and you know, for a matter of weeks or, or even a couple of months. With the general election next year or later, eight to one. So six to four November, seven to four October, nine to two, four and a half to one December, eight to one bar next year or later. Take your pick. Okay, so... There we go. Those are the uh, odds for the general election. Looking very interesting. It's looking very interesting. Uh, we don't know. It's anyone's guess what's going to happen. We've just laid out some probabilities and uh, a sort of a timeline of events of sorts. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, Basil. But uh, we're going to uh, leave on this note. But hopefully we, we shall resume Uh, with another emergency broadcast, uh, possibly in a couple of days. But we'll definitely be seeing you on the Sunday Wire uh, on ACR this Sunday uh, for pre-Monday game plan talk on Brexit. Yes, Yes, I look forward to it, Patrick. Okay, there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That's Basil Valentine, uh, our roving correspondent for culture and sport uh, every Sunday on the Sunday Wire. And uh, thank you for that analysis, Basil. And we're going to wrap this up, this uh, special podcast on Brexit. So I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. Take care, everybody. We'll see you. We'll see you either this weekend or at the latest on Sunday for the Sunday Wire. All the best. Mm-hmm.